0: So it's 1 John 5, verses 13 to 21. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And in this boldness we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have obtained the requests made of him. If you see your brother or sister committing what is not a mortal sin, you will ask and God will give life to such a one, to those whose sin is not mortal. There is sin that is mortal. I do not say that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin but there is sin that is not mortal. We know that those who are born of God do not sin, but the one who was born of God protects them, and the evil one does not touch them. We know that we are God's children, and that the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. How are you doing? Very good. I um, I was struck this morning at the 9 a.m. service and um, I had to remind us all. This is not normal. Like what we are a part of in many ways. It's almost too high. I'll do it anyway. This is not normal what we're a part of. This is not normal to... Well, actually, statistically, it's not normal to be part of a church in England that is over 25 people. It's not normal to be in a church where there's more than about three guys who can like vaguely string, strum, G, C, D, E minor chords and sing a few songs. It's not normal to be in a church with values above all else, the presence of God and actually ministers in in the spirit. It isn't normal. So whereas I'm here pointing the finger telling you you're all a bunch of weirdos, be encouraged, be encouraged about this community that you find yourself in that God has called you to. So this morning, it's probably gonna be less of a, um, like a biblical exposition of the passage. Although um, even me and Lou were just saying we love the ending to that. But rather, what I wanna to say to you, and if you're making notes, the title today is really simple. It is, Get in the Fire. Get in the Fire. And um, many of you, you might know me i'm probably more on the introverted end of this of the spectrum so i'm definitely not saying we need to do 24 7 fire tunnels we need to be slain out in the spirit like that's what we need to do i probably think that might be a natural outcome but rather james he's he's constantly used similar rhetoric the last couple months i know last week he said something along, along the lines of like, will you stake your life on jesus that's what I mean, that's what I'm trying to get at when I say, get in the fire. Because it's a call to, to nurture a white-hot faith. A faith that is not dependent on my feelings. It's not dependent on like how my week goes and um, whether my toddler slept through the night and didn't keep me up all night and I'm sleep-deprived. But my faith is dependent on who God is when I get in the fire. Does that sound all right? Even this passage, it does begin with um, what I would consider quite like a conditional statement. John, he, he uses the same phrase quite a lot throughout the Gospel and then in his letter, and he's like, "I write these things to you." He's like telling you why he's done it, but it's that you may know, that you may know, you have eternal life. I've got a reference to a passage tattooed on my arm, and it's John 16. It says, "Like I've written these things, I've." Told you all these things so that you may have peace. There's a conditional element to our faith that we have to be active participants in it. We have agency. We're not just passive to everything. That promise we have is if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. So that's why I'm saying, brothers and sisters, let's get in the fire. Does that sound okay? It's an invitation for many of us to, to make jesus our lord and savior to step into to all he has for us many people would probably if they were like more accurately breaking down this passage and saying like it's it's a reassurance to those people of what they have in jesus not to be led astray by these false teachers these like antichrists as we've talked about over the last couple months it's getting the fire be transformed There's something incarnational about it because as we get in it, it also gets in us. That's the promise we have. That Jesus comes and makes his home within us. Get in the fire. And to borrow a phrase, we must get in the fire because this must be stronger than that. And to articulate that a bit more, I was... um, quite inspired, but also deeply convicted, reading this account of of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's a German, I think he probably goes by lots of different monikers, a pastor, theologian, author, revolutionary, who knows what else. Um, dependent on like your opinions on ethics, you might agree that one person described him as one of Jesus' most exemplary disciples of the last century. And what I was so deeply convicted about Bonhoeffer's story was, in, uh, in the 30s, he saw the compromise of the German Evangelical Church in light of the rise of the Nazi party in Germany. And because of that, because of that compromise he saw, he kind of said, like, we, we've got to do something about this. So he started this um, seminary, as it were, like a ministry school. You could give it all types of different titles. They called it Finkenwald. Pardon my pronunciation. But He essentially set it up to better prepare Christian leaders he gave them this rigorous theological education. Like deeply, um, It was like rigorous in theological education, the the spiritual disciplines, the, the life, the common life they shared together. It was all extreme, maybe a bit too far. But ultimately Bonhoeffer, he believed that like what we do forms who we are. So that was why he said like we need to take extreme measures I can reflect maybe in like trivial examples as over the years when I've like participated in different sports, the different things that I've done, like it has formed me in different ways, like my body has changed shape for the better or worse maybe, depending on who you ask. Less trivial, I can say that, that in 2014 when I came to be a part of this community here, what I did has formed me and that has, in many ways, transformed me into the man I am today and the man that I still aspire to be. Because what we do forms who we are. There's an account of a friend who came to visit Bonhoeffer at Finkenwald. The story goes that suspicion had arose that probably Bonhoeffer and his friends were getting a bit too spiritual. They were getting like taking it a bit too seriously. I, I met this guy in a cafe in Brighton recently, and he, we had mutual friends here, and he said, oh, you're from Chanctonbury, that's like the Bermuda Triangle of the diocese. No one really knows what goes on there, but like, people either disappear or they come back really different. There's all sorts of suspicion. But the story goes that the Bonhoeffer took his friend on a rowing trip down the river, then they climbed a small hill, and from there, Bonhoeffer like showed him the, the amassing Nazi army gathering. And it was there that his friend wrote what he was doing in Finkenwald had to be stronger than what Hitler was doing with his army. Discipleship must be stronger than cultural formation. Loyalty must be stronger than compromise. This must be stronger than that. Because revivals are always characterized by... Groups of people that have nurtured this white-hot faith within them. Because they've embodied this notion, that, like, we must get in the fire. That this faith that we gather around must be stronger than that. So that's why I say to you, let's get in the fire, because this must be stronger than that. This faith that we gather around must be stronger than what's going on in the schools with the young people. It must be stronger than what goes on in a lot of our workplaces. It definitely must be stronger, and like a, a stronger narrative than what's told in the media. This must be stronger than that. So we spent the last couple of months going through, through 1 John, and we titled it Radiant Light, Love on Fire. Okay, it's this radiant light. I have to admit, we borrowed that language from the, the author of Hebrews, in which he described Jesus as the radiance of God's glory. I'm always struck by a um, famous C.S. Lewis quote that I'm probably going to butcher. But he says, that I believe in the sun just as I believe that the sun has risen. Not because every day I see it, but it's by its light I see all things. The radiant light of Christ, it illuminates our world, gives us new vision, sees things entirely different. And I think John, just like many of the biblical authors, they expose the emptiness of life apart from Jesus. They expose the, the emptiness of, of sin in light of God's radiance. John exposes the emptiness of all these claims of these different teachers. People like, identify as the cessationists, they denied that Jesus was the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. John exposed the emptiness of their claim. Ultimately, they, when we gather around the truth of, of the Bible, it re-narrates our human existence. It re how we're to operate. Because now we're to operate in communion with God, in relationship with Him. I think from week one, we, we talked about that word koinonia, this holy unity in which we're invited into with God, but also with one another as well. So we have this radiant light. It's an invitation for us to step into it. But it's also a love that is on fire, love that is altogether different. Sarah and I, we used to live next to to a couple that that own, manage, run Sussex timber. So out of loyalty, we'd buy all our firewood from them. And even as we've parted ways, um, still out of loyalty, buy wood from them. And I had to to send my friend Tilly a bit of a complaint the other day, because this firewood she'd supplied me wasn't burning orange, but burning bright blue. And um, I'm sure someone can explain it. I didn't pay enough attention in GCSE chemistry. But like, that's not what fire's supposed to do. (laughs) It's supposed to burn orange. It was altogether different. It's a poor analogy, but I hope it, it leads us to that thing that this love that comes from God, source from God, is altogether different than love that we try and muster up from ourselves. Johnny reminds us in in chapter four, it's how we love because he first loved us. We love because he's poured this love that is altogether otherly and different into our lives. That's how we love. We also get to experience this love. I think in verses 14 and 15, it talks about this boldness that we have to, to approach God. Many people would say this boldness we have is, is not merely just for a boldness to ask things and make requests of God, but also a boldness to be in his presence, to be in the very presence of God, where we get to, to experience the source of all things, the source of all love and life. I heard someone say recently that they finished a moment of worship and they were just like, oh, wasn't that lovely? Wasn't that lovely? Isn't that so lovely and pleasant that we get to worship God? I don't mean to be like so critical, like condemning of that. Because like, gosh, if our worship of God, when we want to encounter God and it's just lovely and pleasant, I think we're doing something wrong. Again, maybe I'm a bit on a... Fanboy pipe of Bonhoeffer, but he famously said, like, when Christ calls a man, he calls him, he bids him come and die. When we encounter God and his love that is on fire, altogether different to our own, like, we can't help but be changed, be transformed by that. Ultimately, like, the old man within us should tremble in fear not because he's bad, but because he's so good, so holy. Like that song we were singing, those words just articulate it so well, it's love so amazing, so divine. Demands my soul, my life, my all. When when I first became a Christian, when I was at university, I'm not sure whether it was like the inn Trendy song at the time, but we would sing that chorus. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I am is yours. It drilled into me the truth of of all that Jesus had done. You reveal both my, my brokenness, my poverty apart from Jesus, my absolute need for him but also release this new life and joy, healing, freedom, all the superlatives that are beyond my words. And really, it just revealed to me that I needed to, to orientate my life around him and him alone. Because all I am is yours. So that's why I keep saying, let's get in the fire. Let's get in the fire, because we're called to be the bride of Christ. We're called to be a body that reflects the head, aren't we? I think James painted some pretty graphic images last week of that. So just like wonderfully articulate the way John beautifully brings the letter into land. And he says, little children, keep yourself from idols. There's no like, I love you so much, and I can't wait to be with you, like Paul would write. Just keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idolatry. It's just the worship of, of unworthy things. I don't think I need to. Like, I'm not going to teach you how to suck eggs and tell you all these like areas of idolatry in our lives. We can allow the Spirit to do that, and I'm sure like you already know. But our revolutionary act as God's people is our loyalty to God and God alone. Even going back to the old testament, it's like one of the Ten Commandments, to have no other gods besides me. Maybe the challenge is really to say, like actually when we when I say let's get in the fire, how often do we make idols out of out of Christian things? Out of really good things? I know over the years me my friends and I at university we get it when a certain song would come on, that's like saying like, oh, i stand, you're like, oh my gosh, I love this song. We can make idols out of our preferences, out of like certain styles of doing things. We can even make idols out of like the blessing and fruit of God, and then we forget about where that came from. And I don't mean to be like quite so harsh, but our vision, here at Chanterbury is to see God's kingdom come. Often we articulate it through we'll simply say 2033. This is like to articulate what it means, what it might look like for God's kingdom to come here across our communities. Jesus, when he, in his sermon on the mount, he shared his beatitudes. So Matthew chapter five, verse eight, he said, blessed are the pure in heart they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who had a simple childlike faith. They shall see God. Blessed are those who are ruled by the will of Jesus and Jesus alone. Blessed are those who are fully surrendered to God, where it is Jesus that reigns in their hearts uncontested. They will see God. Blessed are those who are absorbed entirely by God's will and his kingdom. So brothers and sisters, keep yourselves from idols. Let's get in the fire. Because this must be stronger than that. This must be stronger than that. Could probably talk for weeks on like, well, how do we get in the fire? If we're using this, this story of Bonhoeffer, it's like, well, actually, how do we create this community? How do we create our own Finkenwald like he did? It's like engage with our KFCs. Engage with those around us. I think in January, we've, we've started this tradition over the last couple of years, of actually January being a, a month of prayer and fasting. So let's engage with it. I get, I get the privilege to, um, to oversee our ministry to our young adults. And so often it's just like, oh, but I don't want to. I'm not motivated towards that. And it wasn't a particularly insightful, well known philosopher who wrote this, but really we must embrace our unmotivation. This person said this he said, Motivation isn't like the tooth fairy. She doesn't just randomly visit you and put desire to go do difficult things under your pillow. The only way to get motivated is to go do difficult things. Maybe it's kind of in keeping with James's lovely pastoral message last week. Like, if you're scared of this, get over it. But brothers and sisters, let's go do difficult things together. Because revivals, awakenings, renewals, whatever language we put to it, it's always characterized by people who, who forsook or forsake all else for their loyalty to God. The story of Bonhoeffer concluded by his friend writing, in reflection of that rowing trip down the river and the walk up the hill, in which Bonhoeffer said, "This must be stronger than that." He wrote, "Bonhoeffer was right.
0: This."
1: Guessing. Well, um, just in, right? Yeah. Pardon. We're going to in in just a minute. We're going to come talk now Jim grab you for a sec in just a moment we're gonna do just this and get in the fire Bonhoeffer's friend wrote and he said Bonhoeffer was right he said this must be stronger than that but what history reveals is that this was stronger than that in light of that amassing Nazi army, this was stronger than that. The good news of the Christian story is that that God saw the brokenness of humanity and he declared that actually this is stronger than that. This love that I, I possess, this love that's between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is stronger than all of that. God is stronger than that truth is stronger than lies. So really when I say get in the fire is our faith, it must be stronger than all that. Does that sound alright? Yeah. I jovially talked earlier that this doesn't necessitate just non-stop fire tunnels. You know, we're going to invite the worship band up. Really it's not Lovely, articulate, well, I hope it might be, but it's not a lovely spoken message that's going to transform us, but us encountering the presence of God as we get in his fire. Does that sound all right? So, why don't we stand? Why don't we take a moment and as, as theologically as simple as this is, whatever it is that, that you think you cannot boldly approach God's presence, just allow the truth that, that all God has done, all God's love, this is stronger than all of that. You're not brushing it under the carpet, but you're presenting it at, at God's feet. Does that sound all right? Yeah.